You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, a model for prayer. Uh, You know, the reason for prayer is, and I'm going to steal from our friend Dr. John Piper, who in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, The Supremacy of God in Missions, in that book, Let the Nations Be Glad, uh, Dr. John Piper said the, reasons that, the reason that missions exist is because worship doesn't. And, and I would like to steal from that, borrow from that, and, and turn it just a little bit and say the reason that prayer exists is because worship doesn't. Um, we want to lift up the Lord. We want to glorify Him. And that'll be our first point about praising the Lord. But Um, Piper goes on to say, he said, you know, the ultimate outrage and the reason we go out and share the gospel is because people aren't worshiping God. And then he sort of in staccato form, bullet point, just one right after another says, the glory of God is not honored. You know, why missions? Why missions? Because the glory of God is not honored. The holiness of God is not reverence. The greatness of God is not admired. And I would say, why pray? Why pray? Why grow in prayer? Why, 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 why confess that you're praying maybe less than you ought to? Why humble yourself? Call out to God for an increased prayer life? Why? Because the glory of God is not honored. And I'll turn it and I'll make it positive. Why do we want to pray? Why go through the Lord's prayer? Why on the cusp of 2024 as we step into the new year? Wow, didn't, did, did not that go fast? 2023, where did it go? And see, where the hopes and fears through all the years are met in thee tonight, in thee this morning, Lord. And we, we, we're, we're looking as we tiptoe and we're looking over the edge and we want to we wanna worship God. We want him to be glorified. We want to pray the, the glory of God. We want to honor him. We want the holiness of God to be reverenced. Why pray? So that the greatness of God will be admired so that the power of God would be praised, so that the truth of God would be sought, the wisdom of God would be esteemed, the beauty of God would be treasured, the goodness of God would be savored more and more, the faithfulness of God would be trusted, the commandments of God would be obeyed. You know, they're taking commandments out of the classroom. They're for uh, the halls of justice in, in, in courtrooms and in, in places around the country. Let's pull down the Ten Commandments. And I have this conversation all the time with people, and everybody understands it, whether you're a believer or not. And they think, you know what? Our, our, our country's really in, in a lot of trouble. And we all agree, and people seem to agree. Sometimes, whether they're believers or not, they say, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lack of respect for authority and commandments. And, and why pray? Because we want the commandments to be obeyed. We want to follow the Lord. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're not antinomian. We're not against the law. We want to submit to a holy God. We want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, right? And Piper says, why missions? He says, because the commandments of God are not obeyed. And I would present to you this morning, why pray? Why preach on the Lord's prayer? Why exhort one another to pray so that the commandments of God would be obeyed? The justice of God would be respected. The wrath of God would be feared. The grace of God would be cherished. The presence of God would be prized. And the person of God more and more 
would be loved. That's why pray. That's why we want to pray. And so we're going to look into this Lord's Prayer. But as we do, let me just say there's, that's the reason for going through this and the reason for praying. But there's a requirement. There's a requirement. And I think I'm standing on pretty good ground in saying that the very first prayer that the Lord hears and acknowledges is the prayer of, Oh God, please forgive me, I am a sinner, right? It's like the first thing that needs to happen if we're going to pray is we need to be a child of God. And I'm not saying that God doesn't hear other prayers. Obviously, God's everywhere all at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. So he hears every prayer. But you know the prayer God chooses to hear is the prayer, the humble prayer from a child of his, from a son or a daughter of his, one that really knows him in a personal way. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Our Father who art in heaven, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know your Heavenly Father in a personal way? Do you have that relationship with him? And so four simple words as we launch into this teaching Do you know that God is holy and you acknowledge it? God. Number two, man. Do you know that you're a sinner and you need a savior? And God has provided that through the person and the work of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner. God is holy. God, holy. Man, sinful. And then, of course, the solution, Jesus Christ. The work of Christ. He lived sinlessly. He died vicariously. Big word. All that means is in your place and in my place, he died on the cross. He lived sinlessly, died vicariously, was buried. And on the third day, then he what? He rose victoriously. And many of you across the room, you're saying, that's it. I believe in Christ. I believe the gospel. I know it. I understand it. And I have received Jesus as my personal savior and therefore I pray like the apostle Paul when he first got converted and he began to teach and people said no no no, no I don't want to I know him I, you know the road to Damascus and all of that he's hauling people and throwing them into prison and worse he's watching them killed and the apostle Paul stay away stay away and they said no no it's okay because I've watched closely behold he prays So Saul changed to Paul. Paul is now praying. Do you pray? Do you know the Lord in that way? What a privilege. But we need to know him as our personal savior. And and then our response to the gospel then is repentance and faith. God, holy. Man, sinful. Christ suffers on the cross, is buried and raised again. Number four, respond. Repent of your sin. God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I realize you're holy. I've broken your commandments and I confess before you and I by faith receive Jesus as my personal savior. Now you're ready. Now you're a child of God and if you're a child of God and that's true in your heart and life and maybe it's never happened before where you've really repented and put your faith in Christ, today is the day. Right at the beginning, the whole message isn't on evangelism or the gospel itself. Today is the day. Because you can't, God hears your prayer. Don't get me wrong. God hears your prayer. You know what God really hears and listens to and responds to? His child who said, Father, I come in Jesus' name to the throne, throne of grace, and I know you as my Savior. And I bring these requests to you. So, having said that, are you a child of God? And along with that, the right posture in prayer really is the right posture, the right attitude. We want to have the right attitude as we head into prayer. Look at Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, 
You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. The wrong attitude, pride. That's a, that's a prideful attitude. We don't want that. We don't want to pray like hypocrites. The Greek word there, hypocrites, like play actors who wore masks. We don't want to stand like hypocrites so that we would be seen by other people. Hypocritically, let's not, God help us not to be hypocrites in prayer. And number two, repetitiously, improperly repetitious. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you have need before you ask of him. Hypocritically, repetitiously, many words, verbose, unnecessarily so. Men see, maybe, well, you'll have your reward, but it'll, it'll be from them if you go on and on and on rambling. It doesn't mean that you can't have, or I can't have an extended time of prayer alone with the Lord. I encourage that as we head into this, this new year. Sometimes take 20 minutes. 45 minutes, plan out your Saturday, your day off, take the Bible, read through passage of scripture, maybe take your phone and get some really good hymns on your phone, or if you've got access to a hymnal or some godly songs and just, and we could go in and spend a lot of time on that, but, but praying for a long period of time, that's not the thing, it's just, it's just like, you know, mindlessly speaking over and over again. Let's not do that. But instead, let's have the right attitude. Uh, not prideful, but let's be humble. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, go into the inner room. If you have the King James Version, if you like that version, you still have it from many years ago, it talks about a closet. And it's not talking literally like a physical closet or physically like into an inner room, but in the inner man of your heart, in your inner heart, in the secret chamber of communion with God, alone with God in my mind, you alone with God in your mind. And then he sees, the Lord sees, and he knows if we'll have that attitude, staying away from pride, being humble, going in, Quietly to commune with the Lord. He sees, and he will reward you openly. So that's the right posture to have that and to look and, and, and to, to seek the Lord humbly, right? So there's the right posture. I didn't put that as one, but now that we have the right posture, we're a child of God, and even children of God can be potentially praying improperly, but you're a child of God. You're trusting Christ as your Savior. You're humble, you're going into your inner closet. You want to be heard of the Lord. You want him to be glorified. Then, all right, ready? Ready? Pray like this. Praise God. Praise God. Pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We think about his name. His name. His name, Father, our heavenly Father. And boy, you know, as believers, we're children of the Lord. You know, we're not only justified, but at some level we're sanctified, but also at another level we're 
adopted into the family of God. What does it mean? It means to be placed as a child into the family of God. Do you know that you belong? Do you have that, do you have that sense of, of belonging? You know, I listen to Pastor Bill and some of the stuff, and I'm, 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 he puts it into, you know, very clear and succinct. And he, but he talks about, if I've got that right, like you're known, you're seen, and you're loved. You're known, you're seen, and you're loved. And I thought... I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's too simple. And then, I, and then I'm reading scripture and I read across a passage and it talked to us of being known by God and seen by him and how he loves us. And, and that's it. That's good. That's biblical. You're adopted. You're placed as a son or a daughter into the family of God. Our father. Can you, will you with me today? Will you grow in your prayer life? Will you? Do you want that? You, you know, Christ is your savior. You want to grow? I want to grow, you know? Know this, you have a father that loves you and you are known by him. You are seen by him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's John chapter one, verse 12. You're children of the Lord. And so we, we were, you know, we want to be alone with God, skipped over that. But we want to be alone with God. We want to be real with God. And we want to be confident with God. And we can be confident knowing that we're his children. And we can be real because he's our heavenly father. And we can get alone with him. And we don't have to. It's good to pray with other people. Sometimes with two or three others. Or a little bit larger group. But you can be alone with your heavenly father. You can be praying that way. As a true child of God. And you say well. Can't everybody pray? I've already, already alluded to it. Don't other people pray? Yeah, I know people pray to Allah. I know, I understand that. I, un I understand that there's many world religions and there's other isms and schisms and divisions and cults and all these weird things. Listen, they, they don't know God like you know God. You, you realize that there are those that, that know God and walk with God and are children of God and there are unbelievers. You know that. John 8, 44. Jesus, in talking with the scribes and the Pharisees, those religious individuals of the day, he said, look, go back and look at John chapter 8 and study that out. He said, listen, you are of your father, the devil. Oh, say it isn't so. What did you say? Uh, Brother Gene, you're saying that there are people that... If, if, if they don't know Christ as their Savior and they don't worship the one true Heavenly Father, they're of their Father, the devil? That's what Scripture says. That's not what I said. I'm just the messenger. Study Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about, it talks about that in many places, all throughout the Gospels. Jesus loved people, but he stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with those people that were false believers, depending on their religion and not, not real not real in their relationship with the Lord. But you, you have this idea of father. The Greek word is pater, pater, father. Probably Jesus, when he spoke that to him, he spoke it to him, and he spoke commonly Aramaic. He probably said, Abba, go to your father. Go to Abba, father, which literally means daddy. Have this personal relationship. 
A couple of weeks ago, uh, after the service, I was talking with uh, Pastor Bill over here, and, uh, and we, we were just sitting right over here, and, you know, I was just pouring out some needs and prayer requests, you know, looking to him, and, and he was sitting there, and one of his little daughters just ran up. It was just so precious. It's like one of those Hallmark moments, you know? It's like, it was so good. She ran up, and she just jumped up onto his lap, and he just picked her up just so naturally, and she just spoke to him like he was speaking to me, and he was, he was trying to care, minister to me, and I'm sharing we're back and forth. But he was able to do two things at once, and his daughter said something to him, and she just sat up on his lap, and I thought, how precious that is. How pre-, and he whispered into her ear, doo, doo, doo. and she got down. She was satisfied, and off she went. You have a heavenly father. He can handle it. He can handle it. What's your request? We'll get into that in just a second. That's the way God is. We know him that way in a personal way, but there are other people that don't want him. They don't want to come to the Father in the name of Jesus and submit themselves to the Lord. So this this awesome name. And what about his character? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In heaven, he sits in a throne room. He certainly is in this building. He's present here. If you're a child of God, he lives in you. But, but he's in this place commanding the entire universe. You know, his character. And, and it should be hallowed. So is it up close and personal? Yeah. Is he Abba, Father? He is. He's our daddy. But make no mistake, he's also holy. The Greek word there is hagiazo, and it literally means to make holy. It doesn't mean when you pray, you're making God holy. What it says is when you and I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We want to acknowledge and give to him the holiness that is already his. That's who he is. He's a holy God. Isaiah 6, 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Revelation, the prayer goes up again. Holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute of God described in Scripture which is thrice repeated. It's never love, love, love. God, you are love, love, love. God is love. But it's never love, love, love. The the foundational attribute very well could be when we describe God, his holiness. And so we pray to him that way. Hallowed be your name. We want your name. Personal, up close, yes. In prayer, flippant? No. No. We don't want to go to prayer. Okay, I just got to get alone. Listen, listen, we're talking to God, right? Listen, bro, listen. I just, you know, I know that you're the big man upstairs, and I I just want to. No. No, we, we want to be reverent. We want to hallowed be your name. We come boldly and easily into his presence because of the righteousness of Christ, but we acknowledge his holiness, his character, his rule. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. We want you to reign and rule. And he does reign and he does rule, but we just want to see it manifested. Build your church. It's your church. Build it, Lord. Reign. It's your heart. 
sit on the, the throne of my heart. I, I want you to replace my love for the material, my love for the praise of people, my love for sin, my love for selfishness, my love for pride. Replace all of that, Lord, and instead you be exalted and keep reigning and ruling in my heart. And then for that person over there, the reason missions exists is because worship of God doesn't. And people don't hallow your name, Lord. Express yourself, show yourself through your word by your spirit and my testimony to that person and do it in my life and build your kingdom here, your kingdom come. But not only that, here and now, but in the days ahead as well. Can't wait, right, till glory, till we see God face to face. Your kingdom and on into the, I believe, a literal interpretation of Revelation and go, study in Revelation 20, 19 and 20 and on into the, to, I believe, in a literal millennial reign, but on in, even beyond that, into when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and we're going to worship the Lord day and night and give him praise. He reigns and rules. He's king, King Jesus. And other scripture talks about that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. The Greek word kyrios Master, King, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And so we submit to his rule, his kingdom. And there's, there's warfare. We're praying for souls. That person over there, the unbeliever, they're their father, the devil. We don't want that. We want them to live for the Lord. And there's warfare. There's spiritual warfare taking place. It was S.D. Gordon who said, Prayer is insisting upon Jesus' victory and the retreat of the enemy on each particular spot and heart and problem concerned. Insisting upon Jesus' victory and the retreat of the enemy on each particular spot and heart and problem concerned. Lord Jesus, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted up. We want people to see you as king of kings and Lord of lords, and I want you to do that more and more in my life, and I want to relinquish and let go of things that I've been holding back on. But So the right posture we should have is one of humility and confidence. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray with confidence. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the right posture, confidently and humbly, and praising him and lifting up his name. And then, and then you get that attitude. It was George Mueller started all the orphanages over there in England and saw thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars provided for the little orphans and all the work that he did. A true man of God miraculously saw God work. It was George Mueller who said, when I pray, I try to get to the place where in my life, I have no will of my own, but I want God to have his will, have his way. And when you get to that place, then you can say, right, you're praising God, and then you can say, petition God, petition God, pray for needs, not greeds, 
Pray for needs, not greeds, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the message we are waiting for headed into 2024 because, man, I've been thinking of and dreaming of that pink Cadillac. Anybody? Probably probably not a whole lot of us. I've been thinking of and dreaming of, I saw it the other day, the $453,000 G-Wagon at Mercedes. There is such a thing. $453,000? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. Listen, y'all, there may be people here. I'm not, that, that's between you and the Lord. I, it, it, there are people that make, if there's people that make eight, 10, 12 million dollars a year, and maybe some of us make 40, 50, 60, 70,000, and we can afford a used, you know, Malibu, and they can afford a G you know, that's between them and the Lord. I'm not necessarily saying that, but I'm saying priorities. We need to be so careful. Are we praying for greeds or needs, right? So, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It could include, according to Martin Luther, I greatly appreciate everything necessary for the preservation of this life, including food, health, good weather, a house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. God, we pray for those in leadership over us. God, we pray for peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for what's going on right now in the Middle East and Hamas and all of that. We pray for Russia and Ukraine. We We pray for a lot of these things. I'm waiting on you, Lord God, for a spouse on into the future. I'm waiting on you, Lord God, to work in the hearts of my children and grandchildren. Lord, things are a little bit challenging financially right now. I'm waiting on you. Would you, Abba, Father, would you provide our daily bread, our food? You know, God sees all these things about inflation and all of that, but we want his will to be done. He will supply day to day our needs. Exodus 16, 14 to 22, manna for the Israelites. Remember, it came day by day, just one day at a time. And Moses told them, now, don't, 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 don't collect more than what you should. Collect for that day. And some of them thought, I don't, I don't think that's really going to be, I don't think, I think I'm going to collect some more. So they collected more, and what happened? It bred worms. And it stank. It was, it was stinky, and it, and, it, and it rotted. But then when they said, all right, just day by day, as much as we need, let's collect that. God provided that day, that day. That. And then into the sixth day, then God said, now collect more, because on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to go out and collect more. And when they collected more on the sixth day, it lasted on into the seventh day and provide. Listen, God's going to provide your needs. God's going to take care of you. Our Father, I want not my will, but your will. And your word says, listen, prayed this the other day. Of course, I'm saturated with the Lord's prayer, you know, for years and years. But really, these past two or three weeks, I'm going to pray the Lord's. I'm going to preach the Lord's prayer. And I prayed, Lord. You said you would provide for our needs. You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. You made provision in your word. I'm standing on your word, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. God sees what father wouldn't give. What father wouldn't with children. You've got children. Your your child comes up. They're needy. You're going to provide for them. You don't think God can provide your need and my need? He'll provide. 
He'll provide. He, he's that type of God. Elijah, 1 Kings 17, 6. The ravens brought bread and meat in the morning and in evening. And he drank from the brook. God provided through ravens. You know, God, God's going to do that. He's going to take care of... He usually provides on a short-term basis. Not always. There may be people here. God bless you. That's great. You're, you're pretty well, as far as you can understand, financially, you're set for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years and beyond. That's so good. Praise the Lord. That came from him. That's his gift. But there might be many of us here that we don't, we don't necessarily have four or five or six million or, or 10 million dollars in our different accounts. We, 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 we don't. But even if you do have that, then even if you have a lot of money, you're saying, Lord, provide for me the wisdom to know how to use that for your glory. But the rest of us, we're all saying, and somewhere in between, give us a stay. Somebody said God is seldom early, but he's never late. He's seldom early, but he's never late. So we got to be careful. Give us this there. Again, it's not name it, claim it. One of the things I like about this church, it's clear. We want to stick to the word and be faithful. It's not name it, claim it. This is not about an improper understanding of the whole prosperity movement, right? Name it, claim it. Blab it and grab it. <laughs> you deserve health, wealth, and happiness. God wants to give you your best life right now. <laughs> Right now, not, yeah, maybe in heaven, but right now, God, you, you deserve that $453,000 G-Wagon. You deserve it. Name it and claim it. We can be a little bit like the really theologically sound and profound movie called, have you, have you seen it yet? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I, I, was, I ended up watching, I don't know how, my six-year-old grandson and I were watching that here last week or two, and I'm watching that thing, and I, I started to get more excited. It had been years since I saw it. It came out originally, I think, in 71, and, and I, I was getting more out of it than he was, and he told me eventually we just turned it off. But you remember the characters, right? Augustus Gloop. What was Augustus's problem? Gluttony. How about Violet Beauregard? Remember? She was flat-out rude. Just, just rude to people, rudeness. Or how about Mike TV? Remember the kid and he had the gun and the hat and all that? He loved TV. He loved to watch television. He loved to be in front of people and he had all the answers. Probably vainglory, vanity. And of course, Charlie was the kind-hearted and selfless guy who eventually got the whole chocolate factory was given to him because of his humility and his kindness. Well, what about Veruca? Remember Veruca Salt? And her selfishness, it was said of Veruca, she demands everything she wants, and she wants everything she sees. <laughs> oh, Veruca. Sometimes we can be like that. No, give us this day our daily bread. Help us to be wanting to live for your glory, and you're going to provide, and we're going to be okay. God is in our cosmic bellhop. He's our king. And he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so we're forgiven children of God. So we pray according to his will. And then as we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, we ask. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Matthew 7, 7. Right posture is humility and confidence. God sees. Praise him. Praise God. 
from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise him. We praise him. I want to be like George Mueller. I just, God, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm like Veruca. I'm selfish too often. I just want your will. Have your way in my life and in my wife and in my kids and in my grandkids and in my church and in your church and the local church and Pastor Bill, have your way. May we live for your glory. We praise God and then, and then we petition God and then we ask and we come to the throne in Jesus' name and be bold. We can be bold. And then finally and, and quickly penitence before God. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Forgive us. Forgive us, right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. 1 John 1, 8. Don't say that you don't need this. And by the way, let me just, this is just an aside. Forgot to mention it earlier. This is your prayer. This is a prayer for you. This is, Jesus didn't pray this. So how do you know that Jesus, the Lord, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Isn't, isn't this what Jesus prayed? Jesus did not pray that his heavenly Father would forgive him of his sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He took our sin upon himself, but he never sinned. So it's not, it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's a model for prayer we're thinking of. Praise God, petition God, right? and be penitent before God and, and so it's our prayer and he's saying ask for forgiveness kind sir kind ma'am this morning come on bro we all stumble in many ways you need forgiveness on a regular basis and oftentimes I'm quite sure. Not as much as me. But it's there. Forgive us, Lord. It's that thought. It's my thought life. It's my attitude. It's that anger. Like, where did that anger come from? Right? It's my slothfulness. It's, my, it's like, Lord, I'm a child of yours. I'm forgiven and cleansed, but I want to grow. And sometimes it raises its ugly head, and I acknowledge it. And thank you for teaching me to pray. Praise you, ask of you, and seek you for forgiveness, and he will give it. Lead us not into temptation, right? right? Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. James 1, 13 and 14. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way. You can escape. You and I, we can get out of it. God's shouting to us with a megaphone this morning. Run from that sin. Stop it. Stop it. You can stop it. Sometimes we don't. We don't. We want to. We don't. He's saying, one wise old saint said, hey, you and your sin, 
You, you, you must separate from your sin. Or you and your God will never come together. We want to run from sin. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, the King James. Another version, forgive us of our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. And deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? That Greek word temptation there, the meaning is affected by who does the tempting. God tests with trials to grow our faith. Satan tempts to lead us into sin. And so God's not, not trying to lead you. He's trying to get you out of, you know, run away from that. Somebody said, sometimes we say, oh, get thee behind, get thee behind me, Satan, you know. And then somebody else said, yeah, the problem is sometimes I say, get behind me, Satan, and, and push. <laughs> we don't want that. Joseph was there. Come lie with me. Come be with me. He was tempted there. In the, in, 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 take my coat. I'm going to run. I'm not going to play. You hang around the creek long enough, sooner or later, guess what happens? We fall in. <laughs> and it's warfare, and it's spiritual warfare. Alan Redpath, former author, evangelist, and pastor at Moody Church, said much of our praying is just asking God to bless some folks that are ill and to keep us plugging along. But prayer is not merely prattle. It is warfare. God, lead us not into temptation. God, may we be a holy church. Build your church. Make us a holy church. Not just numerical. Buildings and bodies and budgets. Oh, my! Who cares? I attend a church. There's 30,000 people. Who cares? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We want you to be glorified and lifted up. We want to praise you. We want to petition you. And when we come, we want to be according to your will. And, we'll, and you'll provide the needs that we have. And we want to be humble. We want to be penitent. Praising and petitioning and penitent before the Lord. And God will answer your prayer. He answers prayer. I want to see a show of hands. This is your chance to participate right here and right now. I'm closing. I've got an illustration, a really brief poem, and I'm done. Thank you for your graciousness because I can tell you've listened really well. I want to see a show of hands. How many people in this room in the last year has seen at least one direct answer to prayer? Let me see your hand. And if I were to try to open that up and talk about this and turn this into, we could have many different prayers in many different situations. God is in the business of answering prayer. He delights to do that. One evangelist said heaven is full of answers to prayer that his children never thought to ask for. So... It was January 2018, and uh, my wife and I had a relative that uh, we wanted, just was really on our hearts, so we decided to go and to see him, and uh, we visited him. We went to his house, and 
And uh, he showed us some things around his house. It had been a long time since we had been there. We actually then went down in to see all of it. He was a great white hunter, a great hunter. And, and, you know, and I mean, literally, like, I mean, lions and, like, bears. Like, wow, this guy was really deer and elk and around the country and stuff. And so we saw a lot of that. But he was on our heart. And we said, we, we need to connect with our uncle. So we did. So we went and we saw him. And then um, just shortly after that, like six or eight weeks, he got sick. He took ill. And he got sick and started to manifest some health issues and and we thought, oh man, you know, so so we we went we went you know to see him and we, and we prayed with him and then he and then he got uh, much more sick and we heard, oh no, things have taken really a turn for our uncle and and I thought, you know, it was heavy on our heart. We said we got to go up there and we got to pray. So my wife and I had the ability and the freedom to be able to go, and it was in the afternoon. And we decided, let's go to him, because I understand he's now in and out of almost like a comatose state. Like sometimes he, he's lucid, and he, and he can hear and communicate, and other times he can't. So we said, we better get up there and share, because we're not really sure where he's at in his relationship with the Lord. And I don't, I don't think he knows Christ is his personal Savior. And there, there's coming a time, God may heal him, but, but, but maybe not, and he may slip into eternity. Dear Lord, we can't. And we had been praying. And so I called a friend of mine, an elder friend. I said, look, I said, here's the deal. We're going to go up and see Uncle Leonard. And, and what we want you to do, I want you to pray. And this is like one of my prayer warrior guys. So he said, I'll pray. He said, I'll pray. But he said, here's the deal. He said, tell me what time you're going to be there. And I said, as I calculate it, by the time we make the drive up, it'll be about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he said, I promise at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going down to my prayer room in our basement. And he said, and I'm going to pray for one solid hour straight. I'm going at 3 o'clock. You go. And, but when you get done, tell me what happened. Individual, unchurched, never made a profession of Christ as his personal savior. We went up, we went to the hospital. He's sitting there, he opens up his eyes and he looks to us. The day before, he was uncommunicative. He was not speaking to anybody. He woke up, he was lucid. We began to talk to him. I said, you know, I'm really concerned because, you know, and here's the gospel. And I went through a simple gospel presentation. Jesus lived sinlessly. He died vicariously in your place on the cross and he rose victoriously. You need to put your faith in Christ and him alone. You may be healed, you may not. We don't know. It's really an important time right now. I said, is it okay if I pray for you? He said, absolutely. And just as sure as I can see each one of you sitting here, this is exactly what happened. Never happened to me before in my life. I began to pray, and my wife is sitting next to me, so we're praying, sort of sitting here. I said, dear Lord, you know, I, I, we love Uncle Leonard. I know, I know you love him. Jesus, I know you died for him, and I know you paid the penalty for his sins, and I know. And he starts to pray what I'm praying. He starts to verbalize out of his own mouth. He said, Lord, that's true, and I, I, I need you, Lord. And I believe. And he, I didn't ask him to do that. I wasn't leading him into prayer. The Holy Spirit of God was working in his heart. And he began to pray, and he repented. And he's calling out to God for forgiveness of his sins to put his faith in Christ. And I stopped, I've never, I stopped, and I looked. And I said, you know, I'm going through this prayer briefly. And I looked over at my wife, and I looked, and I said, do you? And, and Lord, you know, and I just kept praying. And as far as I know, that day, on May 28th, 2018, Uncle Leonard trusted Christ as his personal Savior. You say, wow, that's a neat story. That's pretty cool. Well, what's really the biggest thing about the whole thing? Here's the biggest thing. Two days later, he died. You never know. You know, we got to share the gospel, and we got to pray, and we have to have other people praying. The really neat thing is, on my way back, I was able to call my elder friend, 
Brother Paul, and said, thank you so much for your praying. And, and God in that time honored that and, and what I believe to be a miraculous answer to prayer. And one day we'll find out for sure what really took place in Uncle Leonard's heart. I believe he trusted Christ as his Savior and repented. Heaven is full of answers to prayer. Let's go. Let's go boldly. Let's praise God. Pray for his will. Let's petition him. And let's pray with humility. Because we're headed into 2024. And decisions abound. And anxieties increase. And someone would have me to believe that I'm lost in the maze of them. But prayer is mine, and faith is mine, and I can choose to ask my Father to lead. So can you. Father God, this morning, we are grateful. Uh, we are grateful for your mercies that are new every morning. We're grateful for the privilege that we have to stand upon your word and what we see here in this model for prayer. And uh, I just pray that more and more this will be used in the days ahead to give us motivation to pray and to grow in our prayer life and father i acknowledge my prayerlessness oftentimes and i'm sorry for that and i i seek your forgiveness for that but but thank you that more and more i can grow and i want to grow and more and more individually and as as a couple husbands are here lord they can take the hand of their wife and they can pray they can lead and moms can pray and wives can pray and pray over their children and and, and, and as families, we can pray. And as a church, we can grow in prayer in the days ahead. Help us to do that, Lord, for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>